Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I am trying to kind of almost control every aspect of my day down to like when I have my coffee, when I have a glass of water to like stay hydrated. What time do I pee? And then how do I feel after I've peed? How does that affect my concentration? What, what should I, what types of food should I eat? What time of day? What time should I go to the gym? And I'm just like using all this data to sort of like move things around like puzzle pieces and be like, okay, I was a bit more productive when I took a nap in the afternoon and mm. then went back and, and wrote or took a break and went for a walk or whatever it is. Hello. In this conversation, I talk with writer and director, Kyan Mansley. Perfect. Hi, this is Steve Whiteley, comedian, actor, filmmaker and writer, all round ADHD creative. And welcome to my new podcast, Balancing Acts, where I talk to an array of creatives ranging from comedians, actors, directors, all sorts. And we talk about how they find a sense of balance or not between their creative lives and their everyday lives and how that has an impact on their mental health and beyond. Balancing Acts is now made in association with the Comedy Crowd, who are a website and community that support independent comedy creators such as myself. I have a Comedy Crowd short, which is a a two-minute video, one of my characters on their website. They showcase the best new videos on Comedy Crowd TV, which is comedycrowdtv.com, and across media platforms, so do go and check them out. Kyan started off as a YouTuber, doing vlogs and sketches and all sorts of funny content on the YouTube. And he built up quite the following. Uh, he's got over 100,000 subscribers on there and he'd got millions and millions of views. And then he decided to uh, act, write and direct in a short film called The Ministry, which he used also as a, as a taster tape of sorts And off the back of that, he got an agent and uh, management in the US. And the US network, CBS, uh, offered him a script deal for the pilot. So he's had quite the journey. We talk about that in in great detail. This was a lovely conversation. Uh, We talked about how Kyan misses being 17 and, you know, that lovely age of having no emotional baggage. Um, His love for video games and why, if he was... 15 at this uh, in this era now he would consider being becoming a pro gamer he talks about how he got into making videos on youtube and and why and and how that changed the course of his life and 
I, I, I liken Kayan to a, to a Zen monk. Uh, I, I believe he has Zen-like qualities and traits. And I think you will see why that, is, uh, that, that becomes apparent throughout this, this conversation. Kayan explains the challenges he was faced with when attempting to make each project on, on YouTube more ambitious than the last. And, and then how that led him to creating his short film, Ministry. He also breaks down the process of pitching out in the U.S., the pressures of pitching your project to to network executives. Kyan also breaks down the process of packaging, how agencies will take a script or project and try and attach certain talent to it to make it more attractive to, to networks when pitching it. He talks about the transition from going from making YouTube videos to being in the US and pitching his project to bigwigs in the, uh, in the industry. And we talk about America Network's obsession with the multi-hyphenates and you know how they're looking for the next flea bag. And yeah, he explains the whole two-year process from coming up with a concept for his short film to then pitching it to US networks. Uh, we talk about Kyan's analytical approach to to become as or try and be as productive as he possibly can with his writing and just his general approach to creativity. He also explains why he went traveling, drew negotiations for his pilot with CBS. And lots, lots more. This was a lovely conversation and I think you will enjoy it. So without further ado, over to Kyan. Perfect. We are currently in your bedroom. Kyan's bedroom, Southampton. Uh, the day is the Sunday, the 8th of March, yes. 2020. We're living in the future. We are. We are. We're here. We've arrived. Yeah, and not we're, only we, we, we're, we're older than we've ever been, which is a crazy that's, thing. That's a thought. That's Although a that's thought. that's already untrue. I know, and again, it just keeps happening. I know, it's a bit upsetting, really. It is, but it's exciting as well. We don't know what the future holds until well, death, presumably, for us all. Yeah, that's inevitable. That is inevitable. Do you believe in reincarnation? I I don't think so. No, no. I believe in Aubrey de Grey. Okay, do you know who that is? Remind me. He's um like a biologist person that's trying to reverse aging. Have, okay. you heard, have you heard about this? There's like a whole movement of like scientists who are like yeah, it's a big trying to right kind now. of like figure out how the body breaks down and be like, I think their their feeling is that aging is a disease okay. and that we should treat it as the most tragic disease that everybody has. And so they, they all want to kind of cure us of aging. Okay. Do you agree with that? I don't know. I would like to be younger for longer. I feel like I don't feel like I want to live forever, though. No, get, but I think, wouldn't it get boring after a while. Yeah, I think you know. I mean, it's a struggle to fill up the week as it is, but uh, <laughs> but you know, I I think what I don't look forward to is like I don't know. Like I think after like forty or something, apparently your body just goes into like a rapid decline, and just the quality of life in every aspect just diminishes. But you, you still might live till like you're a hundred or whatever. So I, I would but that's like to... physical though, isn't it? Mentally, physical. Yeah. Well, actually, your mental faculties they, do, they decline. They, they do everything declines. Everything declines. But then emotional intelligence might increase, maybe. which could bring a certain degree of joy you might not have had previously. Maybe, maybe. But these are also the people that vote for Brexit. So <laughs> maybe, I don't know what's what's going on. Uh, I would just like to. I would just like to be young and robust for longer. Okay. I think that's my thing. Enjoy youth for longer. Would you say right now you are in the prime of your robustness or have you peaked already? I think it's like, it's, it feels sad to look in the mirror and be like, well, this is the peak. 
It can only get... Is this what it's all amounted to? It's only getting worse from here. <laughs> Shit, man. I think I'm doing all right. I haven't noticed like... Uh, I don't feel like an old man yet. I think I still f- feel like I'm 27, okay. which feels like a good age. Physically and and mentally? I feel like... Well, mentally, I'm at my sh- strongest in a way because I'm actually kind of doing consistent exercise. Mentally... I think, you know, I've accumulated, you know, more experience than I had before, but also more hurts, you know, yeah. more more baggage as well. Yeah. So I kind of miss being 17 and having literally no baggage. That sort of like naivety that comes with that. Yeah. And optimism. Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't know if I was optimistic. I just didn't think too much about about life or or whatever. I wasn't I wasn't bothered by that. I just wanted to play video games. That's all I wanted to do. It was, man, life was simple back then. was, wasn't it? Yeah, and you don't even appreciate it at the time. No. I mean, I appreciated some of those video games. Some of those video games were pretty good. But... Uh, what you was know, your favourite? Did you have a favourite? Um, well, at that age, probably Final Fantasy VII, okay. which incidentally, they've just done a, a remake of on the PS4. It's coming out very soon. Every, the whole internet's very excited about that. Are you still a gamer now? I am, yeah. I, I find most games pretty boring. Because so many games just kind of operate in the same way. So once you've played a few hundred, you've played, I don't know, it's hard to get surprised. Yeah. But occasionally a game will come along that is truly marvellous. But I do play a lot of uh, Halo, that first person shooter. Okay. I've just been playing that for like the past 10 years. They, they keep releasing new games. And I've actually gotten like quite good at it. You know, I sort of treat it like a skill. I sort of pretend I'm not playing a video game like it's a but it's a skill that has no application in any other part of my life apart from the moral lessons of course of course yeah of course but we're in interesting times right now because people are making serious money from gaming I know it seems like um that's 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 like one of the few places where there there still is money like the publishing industry is collapsing the music industry is collapsing the film industry unless you're making superhero films is kind of struggling mm. whereas indie gamers can actually make ton if they make a, a fantastic game um they can make a ton of money and it's like something people are still prepared to spend money on unlike music like people don't really want to buy music you know no no yeah i mean on the music industry from what i gather things are changing in terms of how streaming and hours they're like you know got they're down on their knees thanking the, the lords above that they've got this streaming revenue now because it's finally making a profit for them. What, for the artists? For the, yeah, but also for the record labels. Yeah, maybe they're just about... May, I, I don't feel like it's the same as what it was. It, what no, it, was it wouldn't was. have been the same for the golden era, but you're right in terms of the gaming industry. But what I find fascinating is the whole esports um, yeah, thing now where you've huge. got like these gamers that's huge they get like a million dollars and it's crazy yeah and there's these divisions they've got all these different divisions if i if i was like if i was 15 now then i would and i was if i was the same type of person i was then i would definitely consider becoming a pro gamer that would be highly attractive and yeah. to be like mum, i could earn a million dollars okay you got to support me in this i'm dropping out of school yeah, exactly. It, you completely defeat any of their objections for you to be like glued to your computer. Like this is a waste of time. You know, you got to get out there. I know. In the real it's like, world, mom, I'm learning a skill here. This is a trade. Okay. In a few years from now, I'm going to be supporting yeah. all of us. I'm going to buy you a yacht, mum. So we're in Southampton because you live. You're originally from Southampton. That's right. And now you are. You're you're back here having. 
been in like how long were you in London for? I was there for about six or seven years. Six or seven years. And yeah. how are you finding being back in Southampton, having spent all that time in, in the big shiny city? Yeah, I mean, it's all right. It's fine. I think it took me a while to be to get to an age where I'd be okay with living in Southampton again. I think there was a kind of a change in values. I think there was a time in my life where I was looking for more excitement, opportunities to meet people and culture. Also, you know, being in the creative industry, that's where a lot of the work is. So it, it totally made sense to be there. And I had a lot of friends there. But then I think... Uh, when the work became less meaningful to me, it made less sense to, to be there, especially since it's so expensive. When you say the work, which, what work are you referring to? Are you referring to work that you do in terms of videos on YouTube? Or? Yeah, yeah. Because I was, I was making videos for other companies um, like the School of Life. And I did, did that for a few years and it was enjoyable and it was a good way of sustaining me. But there also wasn't a huge amount of room for progress and I, well, I also realized it wasn't part of my ultimate ambition to just be a videographer for online videos that I'm ultimately trying to go towards writing and directing for sort of more ambitious projects um was that your ambition from the start when you started making videos on YouTube I don't know I think because that was back in like 2009 I was thinking more of being a writer and then I discovered YouTube and it just seemed like such an interesting exciting place to sort of build up um, an audience, hopefully for my writing. But then I got so into it that it, it kind of took precedence and it really steered my life in a new direction. Um, in a positive way. I think so. I mean, I'm not sure how things would have turned out otherwise. Yeah, I don't know what my life would have looked like. It, it did help me, you know, when I first got out of university, I was just working at like a hotel bar or or whatever, like you know, and so finally getting a bit of money from YouTube meant I could leave that and pursue it full time. And that felt very exciting and promising. And yeah, it got me to got me to meet a lot of people and it totally changed the shape of my life. And what about the other aspect in terms of the the online fame that came with that? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I never felt particularly famous. Occasionally, I would get um recognized in the in the street but i also didn't wasn't a person that went out a whole lot or you know they had these weird youtube events where you go there as a youtuber and people can get your autograph or or whatever you're kind of treated as a bit of a vending machine and like ah oh, let's get the cayenne signature beep beep <laughs> and you have these very brief uh interactions they're quite nice it's like people being nice to you but um they're just going along collecting these signatures or whatever. So it's a bit of a strange exchange. And so I stopped, I stopped going to those because it didn't feel like you could sort of make a meaningful connection. One of the first ones I went to was somewhere in the city in 2011. I was still pretty small then and you could talk to other creators and on a more level playing field. That seemed more interesting. But yeah, otherwise... I, th I think especially as time, time's gone on, I, you know, I felt like I'd live a very normal life. There's, there's no real fame to speak of. Yeah, you've always struck me as someone who's been very, oh, I'm going to drop in the word balanced. <laughs> okay. Even, I go so far as to say, you know, you've got almost like a Zen-like approach or philosophy. Mm. You and I, mm. I think part of the reason why we've gotten so well is we have, or it, it's also quite an odd 
couple in terms of mm. our energies are so opposite. Yeah, I mean, you always want to have sex in the morning and I'm more of an evening kind of guy. And... I know, but somehow we compromise, we meet in the middle. Exactly. And we go in the afternoon. Yeah, uh, love in the afternoon, baby. It's a fantastic thing. But, yeah. So you're telling me about how zen I am. Yeah. I mean, I'm saying that as you're sort of like lying. I am lying. reclining and I have shaved my you've head. you shaved your head and you've got the beard. I've got a beard. So it's, you know, you understand where I'm coming from yeah. in that respect. But I feel like, um, because I think... It can be very, I can imagine it'd be quite easy to get sucked into that idea of having maybe the pressure of needing to constantly release content. If you've got, if you've built up a, you know, a an audience that you, that you had of over a mm. hundred thousand subscribers, mm. people are necessarily relying, but they're, you know, they're weighing on you to release regular content and mm. itself is a pressure, but also there's a certain level of adulation. I know you're saying you're not necessarily getting recognized on a regular basis out yeah. and about, but it's an online adulation, isn't it? Where people are commenting, etc. Yeah. And you very, I feel like you manage that transition very well in terms from going from that place of being this creator, constantly releasing stuff online to taking a step back to moving more into the writer-director mode. Yeah, I think, I think it was just... Um... I think I did see YouTube as a bit of a stepping stone and it was exciting for a while, but what made it fun for me was pushing myself to do new things, like learning new things, doing things I didn't think I could do and pulling it off. And so the idea of just simply continuing and doing the same type of thing again and again without challenging myself became less interesting. But the problem with uh, challenging yourself all the time, getting more ambitious is one, each project takes longer and longer mm-hmm. anyway. It takes more, more effort and also more money. And... Were you, were you self-funding these projects? Yes. Yeah, from, um, from sort of the revenue you were making from YouTube and that type of thing. So on the revenue, I in 2011, I got awarded... They had this, like, next up competition thing. That's right. So yeah. that's what kind of gave me that first boost. Um, and what was that? So what was the next up thing? Was it a YouTube competition? Yeah, it was run by YouTube. They run it in the US and they did a European version. And like 25 people across Europe were like given a sum and a bit of training. You, you went to the YouTube offices and stuff. And and yeah, so that it, a, lot, a lot of it also was just kind of like validation that this is the right life choice, that you're pursuing something that people are responding to. Yeah. But then around like 2012... To, I had a very good year, 2011 and 12. And then I think towards the end of 2012, there was a kind of an algorithm change in YouTube and everybody's views started plummeting. And it became a lot less financially kind of feasible to be getting more ambitious and be getting less views for it. So I think that helped transition that, oh, I kind of need to kind of like find something else. And that's when I started making videos for the other companies and stuff. But that was... Uh, yeah, I was never very good at finding clients. and So you started working and doing regular videos for the School of Life? Yeah, that started in 2014. And, and how did that come about? I actually, I was a fan of Alain de Botton's writing. And I was reading an interview, like a recent interview with him. And there was a kind of off-the-cuff question where the interviewer asked to start, what are you thinking about right now? And he's like, oh, I'm thinking, of, I wonder if philosophy videos would work on YouTube. And I read that and then I um, I just sent him an email saying, okay, I like your, your videos. This is what I'm about. These are my videos. Maybe we can work together. And he, I was meeting him the next day. He like got back immediately 
I went to his offices and he happened to be kind of in the process of launching his his YouTube series, but I think he was a bit unsure about what exactly it would be. Um, so we kind of brainstorm ideas and, uh, you know, I started working on different videos for him and it became quite a regular thing, uh, which was very good for me. It was fun. I got to meet a lot of actors. I think that was one of the, the main benefit of working with lots of actors and comedians and kind of forming that network of people. Yeah. And what about from, I guess, uh, like the philosophical side of things? Because, you know, their their videos are sort of informative on that side of things. Did you find that, like, did you find that having a knock-on effect in terms of your writing? Or was it educational in that respect for you? I don't know. I think, um, because, I mean, I I was interested in that type of writing anyway. Um, So a lot of the idea, I, I was kind of already kind of familiar with his style. So it wasn't necessarily that new to me. And also, I think... There is this thing your brain does when you're working on something, even informational, I don't know, a big part of your brain is just kind of like shut off. You're more thinking about like the framing or whatever or editing or how, how things kind of make sense and come together. Yeah. But I think I feel like my brain just feels like a sieve and I chuck stuff in there and then it's just gone two weeks later. Yeah, I, I'm very much on that uh that sort of yeah i need to read like a book probably about five times before any of it oh that's exactly what i was just thinking because before we start recording we're talking about speed reading (laughs) yeah and i have this i i've got uh i use wonderlist it's just it's this app for writing lists and i'm obsessed with it okay so i've got like a book list every time i spot a book that i want to read or i get a recommendation i put it down and then when you when you've completed the task you you, you tap on mm. the button and it ticks. Yeah. And then you can see all the completed tasks. And I love that. Yeah. So part of the reason, you know, I want to finish a book is just so I can get to that point where I can yeah. get the tick. Get that tick. Yeah. And, but then a week later, I plowed through that book. If someone asked me what it was about, I have no idea. Yeah. I don't know the names of the characters. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what happens. I don't know when it was written. Robinson Crusoe. Uh, now, now, let me think. A lot uh, of the time, yeah, I only know that I've read the book. I can't tell you anything about about it. Some people have amazing recall. Yeah, know. and I'm very jealous of those people. Mm. Or sometimes what, what I did for university, I studied history. I was able to recollect a lot of dates and facts. Yeah. I didn't necessarily understand them. You're good in a pub quiz then. Occasionally, yeah. 1066. We, my, my friend and I, uh, do you remember, you met Jellyman before? Rob? I don't, I don't know. We did, um, we got onto the Deadly Knowledge Show, quiz show on TV. Did you? And uh, we, we won it. <laughs> did you? But it was like a because, light entertainment show. Because of your history knowledge? Well, it was mostly him. He used to, he used to be a journalist. I thought you were going to say, he was a genius. He was a genius. I mean, I definitely wasn't. But yeah, between us, we won it. I got a lot of the sort of pop, kind of uh, pop culture questions that I answered. Anything about like Katie Price, Peter Andre. Yeah, the important stuff. Yeah. And he got sort of the more sort of... uh, Everything else. Yeah, exactly that. Politics, history and so forth. But we won and we won a a weekend away to Barcelona. Did you? And uh, just just the two of you? Very romantic. Yeah. Um, I hope it was one bike that needs two people to ride it. Yeah, it was. And uh, he, he, like you, insisted on uh, sex in the evening. I was more yeah. into the morning. We didn't compromise. Okay. There was a lot of tension. You just you just masturbated at different times of the day? Yeah, essentially. Essentially. Okay. And uh, it was That'll open happen. plan room. Yeah. So it was a little bit awkward. <laughs> Sounds a bit confrontational, doesn't it? It was. I mean, we haven't spoken since. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, it's a time that I look back with fondness. 
you've got so many of these little stories of little times in your life you just <laughs> lived a totally other life so yeah i won a game show once and i have no occasionally that. i've had to fly a plane and yeah i have noticed that occasionally popping up and podcasts and sort of regaling a story that happened which is fine but essentially the the purpose of these conversations is about the subject yeah. matter and uh, also the, the the person I'm interviewing. Well, I'm sure people want to get to know you as well. Yeah, well, yeah I don't think so. I want to get to know you, Steve. You already know me. You know me. Well, you just told me something I don't know. And That's true. I was delighted. That's true. But we, I, uh, I always enjoy our our conversations. They're sort of like um, sometimes I don't know. It feels like they're they're sort of out of. Um, Take, take, they can sort of like, you can imagine them in a Woody Allen film or something. Yeah. Discussing our neuroses together. Yeah. We're just like two self-involved people walking around <laughs> Manhattan. Yeah. My psychiatrist. Yes. Yeah. I had an idea for a web series called My Therapist Said. And it was just little moments of people just... Oh, just awful things about. that they... Self-involved things that they would say. Yeah, that the therapist therapy. suggested or... Right, right, right. Yeah. A whole podcast... Well, it's going to be a web series. Yeah. Okay. Could okay. be a podcast. Could be yeah, a podcast. Yeah. Podcast format. Yeah. People love the podcast at the moment. They love. They're, they're listening to this right now, presumably. At this very second. Yeah. yeah. They are. Okay. So we talked about the YouTube stuff, mm. and then this idea of this drive to want to create better or better work, but more yeah. ambitious work. Yeah. More yeah. ambitious work, which then led you to create to make uh, to write and direct the ministry or short film. Yes. Which did very well. Got a Vimeo staff pick. There you go. Yeah. Always like that's 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 like the real validation there. That's, staff pick, baby. That's what every filmmaker is is craving for. Yeah. It's a big thing. And fast forward, that then led you to writing it as a. You got commissioned to do a sitcom. On it. What was the process from the short film to? Yeah, to- it was quite a, a long. Needlessly long process, I think. It just Always because, is. Because of the machinery of Hollywood and, and all that stuff. Yeah. So I was introduced to New Form Digital through a mutual friend. And we I started kind of like pitching ideas and kind of like workshop workshopping ideas with them. They were looking for something, an idea that could work as a standalone short film, but also as the kind of teaser for a longer series. Um so eventually arrived on The Ministry, which is about a man, an unsuccessful novelist who who's written an, um, a novel that a, a new age cult has discovered. And they think it contains like a coded message to them from their God. Where did the inspiration for that come from? Or was it just, it was just sort of like, you just had this idea. And you're like, yeah, this is, I'm going to go for this. I'm trying to think. It started out, um, I, I kind of liked the idea of, because another strand of it is um, the book he's actually written is about a former lover of his. And um, I was kind of interested in that idea of being written about and that kind of, uh, I suppose, dichotomy between fiction and reality, between the way one person sees events and then, you know, they're put into to print and pe- people think that that's how it really happens. So, so one element of the story is that she comes to confront him about the book that um, he's written. And I just thought that was just quite an interesting idea in itself, but that's, that doesn't really make much for a series. I just liked the idea of that as a scene. And I think I'm always attracted to kind of like weirder sort of fantastical ideas as well. So I like that idea that if he's unsuccessful, he's, he's someone that um, desires kind of 
fame and adulation and, and, and money. But perhaps the only people that respect him are a deluded cult. And so it's a bit of a, a bitter pill where he can he can go down this route and take their their adulation. You know, does he embrace them even though they're totally delusional? Or they, they don't like his work on the the merits that he'd like to be respected for? Or he can just carry on a, a lonely, sort of uninteresting life where nobody appreciates his work. So yeah, I think I was just um, drawn to kind of, you know, embracing that kind of like that weird world. There's lots, it's easy to be comedic. You know, I tend to write comedy, comedy stuff. So it just seemed like a good world to explore. So you made it and New Form, New Form Digital funded it. Yes, yes. We made the short film in like, I think it was like completed in like April 2016. Okay. Was it a long, you said it was a long process in terms of the inception from the idea to then shooting it? Yeah, that wasn't too bad. I think it, that from from the inception to shooting it was probably about four months. Okay, that's actually relatively quick. Yeah, it's more the process kind of after that to kind of like yeah. getting to pitch it. Yeah. Um, Did you always know from the outset that it was going to be a taster for a long form series? Yeah, that was the idea that... that those were the criteria that it kind of needed to work on. If it's if it was too closed, then it wouldn't function as a as a series. Okay, so after you after you made it, you released it online. So there wasn't even though you were sort of then pitching it for something long form, you you still had the freedom to just release it online on Vimeo. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure, like really, I th- and YouTube as well. You released it on YouTube. Yeah, so it was yeah. YouTube first, and then in Vimeo. I'm not sure what their I think maybe they were sort of market testing the response to the video. Okay, which think, is smart. It's a smart yeah, way of doing yeah. it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know exactly how they were thinking things, but I think, I suppose they were less attached. I think, it could, uh, I suppose because the ministry, the short film, was never going to be like the first episode. It would be reshot if it was going to be a series anyway. Yeah. So I don't think they had to worry about protecting the intellectual property okay. of the film right. by not just, you know through the distribution model. Okay. So then after they, you know, they gauged how well it was doing online, it then went to the next stage where they commissioned you to write a uh, pilot script. So New Form never commissioned me to do anything else with it. Okay. Um, I think the plan was to kind of like uh, suit up with representation and uh, like producers and stuff and then pitch it around. It took a long time before they actually got around to doing that because I think they had they were funding a lot of other short films and other projects that they were also taking out. So I think the first start was like getting me representation, like management in an agency. And this is out in the US. Yeah. And then from that, um, they, they, they found a director, Stoney Sharp, who does a lot of kind of TV comedy in, in America. Okay. I just want to stop you there. How was that for you as someone who's a writer-director? to now having to take your vision mm. and hand it over to the director when you probably know you're capable of directing yourself. Yeah, I well, that was my feeling. I was totally against the idea. Sure. But I also just wanted to play ball. I just wanted to give of it the course. best shot. And yeah. it didn't seem like... I think essentially the way... Because I'd never done any TV or feature films, you're seen as... Well, they just don't know what to make of you. Like, people don't really trust you. Until you've got some credits to you, um, you're not really anything. Yeah, you're not a made man. Yeah, so you, 
what they want is a director. They want a safe pair of hands. Someone to be like, okay, he's shot. He, he knows what it's like to run a set. Those, those are the sort of things like, uh, you know, I'd only ever kind of directed on small online, you know, short film sets. And it is quite a different world to the TV world in America. So I think it, it does make sense yeah. to, to have that person there. Um, I think they, they sort of said, perhaps if, if it went as far as season two, then, you know, you could kind of like learn the ropes along the way and then perhaps direct a few episodes, you know. Um, so this was just like finding someone to direct the pilot and just communicate to the network or whatever that this is a safe pair of hands. This is somebody that knows comedy. Um, so by this point, you had a network that had commissioned the pilot. No. So we first we got uh, a director. Then we found a producer, which it, it ended up being Eric Tannenbaum, who produced uh, Two and a Half Men. Which seemed like a, a weird fit for me because that's like tonally just like a very different. That's like a you know a broad sitcom. It's a totally different type of show to the mystery. But my all my agents were very excited about him, and he seemed excited about the project. I think he was going into more interesting, kind of um, lower budget, kind of kind of independent programming himself. Okay, he did a show called The Last OG, which is like very different to Two and a Half Men. And so it, it, this is this is the process they call packaging. This is this is how you make it kind of like sellable and attractive to um, a network. And often you will like attach stars as well. You'd be like, oh, Daniel Radcliffe's going to be in this or whatever it is. Hmm. We didn't have that. They're like, oh, Kyan will be in this maybe. They, they kept changing their mind about this. Um, they weren't sure because I'm essentially a nobody, you know, as far as the TV world is concerned. Was that in itself kind of a, a weird transition to go from this place where youtube you know yeah you're like a pretty big deal you know it, i wouldn't say that i wouldn't say that no i know yeah. no no comparison to sort of people who've got millions of subscribers yeah, yeah. but still you had like a you had a following out a big audience and you know your yeah. videos are, are gaining traction and then you're now entering this new tv world where they consider you like just you know a rookie in a way yeah, I, th I think that made sense, though. It was it was a very large and overwhelming world that has its own rules and stuff. Yeah, and particularly um, as you're doing it in the US as opposed to the UK where it's smaller. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it just wouldn't make sense to walk in as Billy Big Balls sure. and be like, we've got to do it my way or the highway. Yeah, no, of course. I don't mean that so much, just yeah. in terms of internally how that felt for you. I think it was, um, I think it was still exciting, you know, because it's new. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um yeah we just we just didn't know how it was gonna how it was gonna work out when they were first saying that you definitely won't be in it or you on television get get real can <laughs> uh but then they were like i think and then they thought actually it's kind of sellable because people like this kind of like writer creator actor sort of vibe like yeah. elena dunham and um donald glover kind of thing yes so people or phoebe Waterbridge. yeah yeah um when i was in um i was at Palm Springs Short Fest film mm. festival last year with uh, Swiped and I went to an industry panel afterwards mm. and it was all sort of the American agents and American producers literally one after the other is um, you know we're really looking for a multi-hyphenate yeah. uh, kind of like the next Phoebe Waterbridge yeah. <laughs> that's the term they kept using multi-hyphenate it's, it's like, like the flavour of the month isn't yeah. it also everybody wants Fleabag at the moment everyone wants Fleabag you know we're looking for the next Fleabag but not Fleabag 
this is the thing like you pick up these phrases and these are things you just need to inject into the pitch at some point uh, and it doesn't even need to make sense no it's, so it's a horror film but it's kind of like Fleabag <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah it's slightly cynical or, but yeah. that's what needs to be done isn't it yeah to make them feel they, they want to hear those buzzwords they just want to know that yes. that's what you're shooting for that's the demographic that's the audience you know yeah. But it's like Fleabag on paper is not the sort of thing that they would buy because the the concept is very just kind of like, you know, woman trying to figure herself out and her sexuality. Whereas they're, they're looking for like definite hooks of like, what's going to happen in episode six and by the end of episode 12 and yeah. blah, blah, blah. I always remember Ricky Gervais talking about when they made The Office, the reason why they shot a video of him in character mm. as David Brent was because... Otherwise, you know, commissioners are going to read the script by saying, man looks at camera awkwardly and touches his tie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How does doesn't translate? Exactly. I think I th- that's part of the reason why we shot the ministry pilot. I think I was able to control the comedy voice of the piece so much more. I think I was, I was you know, pleased with the script, but I think, uh, I think how I made it feel different was, you know, how we chose to shoot it. Yeah which helped it get as, as far as it did. Um, so, yeah, once we, once we, you know, attached a few people, then we went around to some of the networks in uh, the US. And this was about, this was about two years after. It wasn't like until 2018 that we actually, I think, yeah, because no, essentially nothing happened for about a year after the short film came out. Uh, and then I got representation. And, and who, then it, who was the representation by? Um, anonymous Content for Management, NCAA. Okay. Agents. Um, and then they started attaching uh, like a producer and the director or whatever. But that took months of like reaching out to people, talking to people. I went on, on a kind of preliminary tour of talking to different channels and production companies to see who would come on board. How did you find that? That was awful. Uh, especially, well, because that by that point, at that point, I just didn't know what I was doing. I, I was pitching, but nobody had taught me how to pitch. Yeah, which is a skill. It in was fucking right. weird and awkward for everyone involved. <laughs> um, whereas once we got to the to pitching this show with the direct with the producer there and the director, they these were people that knew how to pitch, and you have to kind of tell it as a story that takes it over, over the course of like twenty minutes, right? And you involve other people, and they're laughing at your jokes, even though they've heard it ten times before. And it's got a rhythm to it. And so you've got these kind of rails and you just stay on the rails and you know what you're doing. Okay. Whereas I, I was just like, I think I just didn't know the idea well enough or what, what the hooks are okay. to make it attractive to someone else uh, when I was first talking about it. So I think people just came away a bit baffled, like, oh, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. And I just came away feeling just horrendously uh, embarrassed and awkward after each uh, exchange. God. But you must have learned loads. So next time you'll be, you know exactly, uh, yeah, you're in a better position to pitch and understand what's required of you, I guess. I think so. But I think I learned it more just from people telling me specifically, this is what a pitch is. Okay. And then we did rehearsal pitches and stuff. And and then the agents would say, yeah, you can't, you shouldn't say it like that. I mean, that in itself is comedy, doing the rehearsal pitches. Yeah, that was, that was awkward. 
But the more you do it, you get kind of used to it. And then you figure out where the jokes are, what other things people laugh at. Okay. And by the end of it, I actually kind of started to enjoy it. Did you? It started to feel like a, like a stand-up routine. Really? And you could kind of like lean into it because you're like, oh, okay, this is the joke that always lands. And it, it, dep- it depends who you're pitching to. Like some people are warmer. Some, some rooms are quite cold. It, as if they're trying to deliberately kind of disturb you you know a bit of a dragon's den kind of vibe okay uh, and then other people are like that you know they're friends with the producers they're friends with the the um production company blah 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 so they're just very warm and they want you to do well and they're giving it they're a good you know audience for it yeah yeah that's it's a whole nother world isn't it that is it a is. whole nother world it's weird perfect Hello, sorry to interrupt in the middle of this insightful conversation, which I'm enjoying, I'm sure, just as much as you are. But I need to give you guys a little reminder. Uh, if you like this conversation, this episode, if you like balancing acts in general, then please do subscribe to us, rate and review us because it makes the world of difference. And the more reviews we get, the more rates we get, the more people can discover the podcast and we can make it go viral, whatever that means. Okay, back to the chat. I remember speaking to you at the time and I feel like maybe this it was this is what helped you in terms of get that zen approach hmm. or you already had it I believe like you know you've always been that way inclined and you were able to deal with like the long drawn out process just because hmm. of the way that you are you you I think you're quite a patient person yeah. and you weren't getting too frustrated with it or no. unless I'm wrong tell me otherwise I think it went through waves I think um I felt like I handled it quite well but it, it it did continue to surprise me at every level just how drawn out the process is yeah when someone says we'll get back to you tomorrow what they mean is in two weeks yes when they get back to if to say we'll get back to you in two weeks they won't get back to you ever that's what it is right you know, time is just like works on a completely different scale there yeah and then for me this is where it gets really interesting mm. uh in terms of the personal development of cayenne okay is you then deciding to go traveling. You're waiting to hear back and then you go away. Yeah, yeah. Because you hadn't done anything like that before, right? You hadn't been solo traveling before, had you? No, no. I'd done a bit of traveling with a couple of mates years ago. Um, and this wasn't proper solo travel. There were there were parts of the travel that were solo. Okay. Essentially, my, my younger brother was going away. He'd been planning a trip for a long time. Yeah. And... Um, and I had some work, some of my school of life work was actually kind of drying up around that time. And that always tended to come in waves. And I just thought, I think it kind of like triggered to me that do I want to stick out another few months in London of not earning money? Or do you want to kind of, and you're, you're not, you're kind of waiting for this kind of, um, uh, this ministry stuff to, you know, to get going before you can start writing on it. Because this, so this is, I've I, I been told that we had sold the pilot to TBS, but that happened in like April or May of 2018. When that happened, was it was it an incredible feeling? Were you really super like excited um, by the prospect of like, oh, we're going to make I this thing? I don't know. I can't remember. I think, um, I think there was still a lot of uncertainty. I think there was just uncertainty at every level. It felt like you, they could say we're going to buy it. But I mean, no contracts were actually signed until about November. Okay. So that was still months and months. And it felt like they could pull the plug at any chance. And also, it was no guarantee that anything else would happen. Right. And in fact, n- you know, nothing did. I, I eventually got, you know, paid to write the pilot. And then 
they said, okay, we're not going to make this because this is actually quite similar to something we're already running. Um, and how did that feel? That the, the thing is, I quite prepared myself for that eventuality. See, zen, you're zen. <laughs> well, it just seemed like it's getting a TV show made is such an insane, rare thing to happen that to assume to assume it's going to happen is a type of insanity, is a type of megalomania, you know. <laughs> so you kind of have to fully accept that this is totally unlikely. And, uh, yeah, it's all going to go away. So you you definitely can't, like, uh, depend on it or put at stake any happiness in it. I, I was definitely disappointed, but I wasn't surprised either. Okay. Um, and I had already started thinking about what I would be focusing on in, instead. Okay. Um, Which was another writing project. Yeah. 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 I think just, you know, just realizing, um, yeah, I just need to do more writing. And I still got paid all right for writing this thing. So it, that seemed like a validation in itself. That was it still, I still got further than I had before. Mm. So that was encouraging that people like my writing, but, you know, the circumstances have to be aligned as well. Yeah. Um, there's so much strange alchemy to getting anything on the air. There's so much out of your control. Yeah, you just have to, there's, there's just a lot of luck involved. Yeah, I think what I found interesting about you just going away traveling because it wasn't like you were deciding okay you're meeting your brother but it wasn't like you were deciding to go away on like a writing retreat Mm. that in between while this was all going on you just decided to take a step back like you said you evaluated that if you stayed in London it's gonna be expensive but it was you made a decision to just yeah do things on your own terms and Mm. just go out experience things and enjoy life rather than just getting caught up on the hamster wheel of like the industry side of things yeah, like oh, i've yeah. got well i've got to start doing all my next project etc yeah yeah that's like a that's a bold move maybe yeah I, I remember when i said to my dad he was just like pretty quiet i think it seemed like it, it's bold or irresponsible depending on who you, who you talk to because it's like taking time out to not earn money and to just spend a huge amount of money but so at this point you've been paid obviously for writing the sitcom pilot no, no, I, oh. the, 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 that pay didn't come till way later until, so I left, okay. I left in like end of September, 2018. I didn't really start getting paid until like March, 2019. Right. I had, I had a bit of savings from um, do, doing my video work. It had been quite, quite a good year. So I sort of felt like, well, this ministry money is going to come in eventually. I can just blow these savings and just travel around and try and f- until I can figure out what is the next chapter what's the next chapter of Kyan? um yeah I, th- I think like part of the appeal of traveling was to see to see different cities different ways of living and be like could i live in another city like uh, the first place i went to was visiting my friend in hong kong and um so it's like could i live in hong kong i mean maybe not now because you know they've had all those um all that uprest uh, unrest sorry um and riots and, and and stuff and it's been very disruptive um and then they're, they're also quite hard hit by reactions to the coronavirus but uh it was a fucking cool place you know and i, I saw my friend friend there i also really liked uh, australia melbourne beautiful amazing place my brother's just come back from there he actually ended up living there for about a year wow but um I think the feeling i came a- away with uh whilst i was traveling was the, these are some lovely places to live but i don't have any connection here there isn't a reason for me to be here i don't have any friends here i don't have work here so it'd be very hard to just start from scratch 
I'm not very good at like reaching out to people and making friends and and all that business. So I think it's like whilst I was traveling around, I started thinking more about home. I wasn't missing Southampton, the city, but I, I have a lot of friends here and my family are all still here. And it's like, it will be nice to be around people you have a connection with, have a history with. And that suddenly started seeming a lot more important to me than just being in an exciting place. Okay, that makes sense to me. At least you went out there and you experienced it. And so you were yeah. able to come to arrive at that decision. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I think I, I had to do that because otherwise it would have felt like, oh, God, I'm stuck in Southampton. I can't believe exactly. I never left or, or whatever. Yeah. Like, I think I needed to do that to realize. I'm not sure if it's like, uh, you know, the ultimate important things. But I think it might just be that I'm older now, that families, you, go, you kind of come full circle and it feels more important than it did to me in my 20s. Right. Yeah, because I still want to experience that living in another country. I've, mm. I've traveled, but I've never lived in another country. I would like to live in another country, but there'd have to be a network there. There'd have to be a reason why I'm there. So um, you're probably same to, similar to me. I mean, parts of the US where it would be LA or New York would probably make sense because yeah. of the creative industries. And so yeah. there would be a network there that you can plug into. So yeah, yeah. when I was in LA last year, I did um, an improv course at UCB. Mm. And automatically, you're just meeting people. Exactly. Like-minded people. Exactly. On the same track sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's very, it's a much, it's a very easy way to meet people. And, yeah, exactly. and there's, you feel like there's a bigger reason why you're there. You're not there just for the experience of trying to, you know, feel, see what it's like living in another country. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're like, oh, actually, this can you know, benefit my career. And Yeah, you need something to plug you in. You need a purpose. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But then there's also the flip side of sometimes go off into a fancy land. It's like, I just want to live, man, and, 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 and by the beach in an island, yeah. in a camper van, surf every day. Yeah. And I think in that voice. Yeah. That voice, it's always in that voice. It sounds like a black and white advert. Someone, I can, I'm seeing pectorals and just uh, with sand grains on it and you're with your surfboard, you're hitting that, hitting them waves. But then that's going to get boring after a while. Maybe. Or maybe it'd be amazing every day. Yeah, I mean, it sounds great. If you could just convince everyone you know and love to move to the beach. It's like, why did my family settle in Southampton? <laughs> yeah. It's like, God, it's fine. It's not the most important thing. It's not It's not exciting. It's not a sexy place. But it is home. we could live in a better place if you could just convince everyone to move. Yeah, that's the downside, isn't it? If you do end up going to the US, if you do get a series commission there and... Mm. You, you've got to go there and then you're up and leaving your friends and family. I know, you've got to start a new family, get someone preggers and uh, raise some American children. Circle of life. Yeah. Circle of life. So currently now you're you're writing your new your new project, the mm -hmm. latest project, and um, you, you, seem, you seem quite just content writing every day. You're now like fully, as far as I can gather, you are in just like full writer's mode, as in you're not, you're not yeah. creating videos or content you're just yeah. fully focused on doing that yeah i think it's just that realization i think i had to think about what are my ultimate goals and then oh you know it just made for me that was like i'd like to go into writing scripts and novels and directing films but uh i don't have a huge amount of that work to my name you know you can have all the representation in the world, but unless you've actually written something, they, they can't really do anything with you. So I think I just realized I needed to, yeah, focus on that. And uh, if I'm accepting other work, then that is just slowing down the process. 
So I'm trying to kind of like live quite cheaply, I suppose, keep my means and expenses low, um, but still try and enjoy life and just fucking bash out a novel, mate, and some scripts and stuff. See, see how we see how we go. Do you have a do you have a daily goal of how much you want to write a day? I do sort of. Yeah, yeah. I think um, at the moment, so I'm writing, I'm focusing on the novel at the moment. I'd like to write a thousand words a day. Okay. Uh, so, and I do try and do that five days a week. So 5,000 words a week. And if I fall shy of that, that's fine. And that's just kind of what I'm aiming for. That's, I'm allowed to feel good about myself if I can write a thousand words. Sometimes, sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. I try not to beat myself too much about it. But I just try to think about what are the things, why did, wasn't I able to write that amount? Why was my concentration not there? Or what was it, what was in the, what were the mental obstacles? And what usually comes up? Is there a regular theme that appears? I don't know about a theme. I think I'm just, I am trying to kind of almost control every aspect of my day down to like when I have my coffee, when I have a glass of water to like stay hydrated. What time do I pee? And then how do I feel after I've peed? How does that affect my concentration? What, what should I, what types of food should I eat? What time of day? What time should I go to the gym? And I'm just like using all this data to sort of like, move things around like puzzle pieces and be like okay i was a bit more productive when i took a nap in the afternoon and mm. then went back and, and wrote or took a break and went for a walk or whatever it is so yeah it's just constantly uh moving these little things around i think certain things have, have started to cement but then also you can get uninspired and when your routine feels too rigid so i think it's also necessary just to jumble it all up again just for that feeling of novelty. Um, totally. I'm I'm doing exactly the same thing at the yeah. moment, experimenting and trying to be slightly more analytical. Yeah. For a long time, I would just sort of like get in front of my laptop, just yeah, bashing yeah. out, you know, words. And there there wasn't really much, yeah, there wasn't much thought behind, behind. So at the end of the day, it was like, well, you know, was that a productive day? Or when were you at your peak? And, and now I am sort of it's like the life hacking type approach to it yeah yeah and trying to find different ways to find that uh the word that is often used flow state well yeah exactly which is what you know we're all trying to attain towards yeah but it's interesting because there's this contrast there isn't there where if you are trying to analyze everything is that is that a bit of a conflict with getting to that flow state yeah i think it is that's it that's, yeah that's interesting because getting into flow you're trying to quiet down the analytical mind yeah uh like i can write better if i'm not being overly judgmental about like this is shit this is rubbish this is a terrible way to start a chapter but if you can just get it out um the sooner you can get to that flow state then you know things just start moving so much faster so i feel like a lot of my day is about coaxing me into that keeping myself happy because if you can if like one hour in a flow state I might be able to produce like 500 or a thousand words. And then the rest of the time is just spent trying to get myself into that state of mind. Yeah. So I'll, I think it's almost like what I would do. For, I went through a period for a long time where it's, I'm always sort of like punishing myself. Mm. I just have to sit here mm. and just force yeah, it out. Yeah, I don't like that. I don't like that at yeah. all. Whereas now if I feel like I'm getting that way, I'll try and shake it up and go for a walk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I often find ideas start coming to me and I record them into my phone. Yeah. For me, everything where where things start to make sense and ideas start to really flourish for me comes from like an improv place mm. 
whether it was mm. just the spont- spontaneity yeah, yeah, yeah. and I can just start improvising characters and dialogue. Yeah, I think a key thing is just keeping it enjoyable uh, because as soon as it's unenjoyable, as soon as you treat it like work, then a large part of your mental energy is being, uh, you know, used in like forcing yourself to do things. Whereas if it's enjoyable, then all your mind, all your kind of faculties are just being used in this kind of play, yeah. this kind of directed sense of play. And it just feels like... I don't know. That's that's the flow state. That's the kind of boundless energy that you have a kind of momentum to you. Whereas if there's any form of resistance, like, oh, I really don't want to do this. That's so much mental energy you have to use just to, I don't know, trick yourself into to working or, or whatever it is. Yeah. And I also wonder, like, that's, that state of mind that comes with um, this sort of compulsion to feel like you have to punish yourself, whether that's a reflection of where your sense of well-being is at, at that time. Mm. If you're not in a good place yeah. or you feel like you're unhappy, then you feel like almost compelled to punish yourself. Yeah. Or if you're feeling lighter, mm. then you're like, you know, I want, this is, I want to make this fun for myself. I, want to enjoy, I, I deserve to enjoy this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then it can go too far the other way. Like um, sometimes if I apply so little pressure, I'm like, you know, I could write, maybe I won't write. <laughs> and, then, and then you're like, oh, I did no writing today. Okay. And then you have another day. It's like, well, I'm still going to go kind of easy on myself. Oh, shit, I didn't do any writing. And then the third day is like, oh, I feel really shit about myself. You need to just sit, knuckle down and write some bloody words. And then actually sometimes that does, that works as well. Yeah, Um, it's it's a fine line. Or or there's the the classic excuse for me is, um, I'm just going to watch an episode of uh, whatever it is mm. and then convince myself, it's research. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's not at all. Sometimes, yeah, it's for me like, anyway. It, it can get, it, it can suck you in. I, I think it depends. Does it put you in the right mindset to to write? Can do. And then also, do you have the discipline to then pull yourself away yeah. and sit at the laptop or whatever it is? What are you watching at the moment? Not very much. I don't tend to. I'm not very good at getting into into shows. I just started watching BoJack Horseman. Mm. People say that's good. Yeah, seems all right. Uh, I've literally only watched like a few episodes, so. This I've got no basis to really review the show. What I mean, I did like Fleabag. I thought that was bloody good. Yeah, I, I was, I'm watching uh, Killing Eve, which is also very good. Mm. Um, these are great reviews, just good. <laughs> tick. But it's again that thing. It's like, uh, what actually happens in that show? I can't remember. Yeah. I just I just remember yeah feeling enjoyment and uh, I was impressed. I was like, these are very well drawn characters. But I wonder if. Our parents' generation were different because they weren't as flooded with so much content. Yeah. So our memory, you know, we've got a short-term memory. They watched like they had one thing on the TV every 10 years. Yeah, it was a water cooler moment. And then they would talk about it for weeks or months and they probably remember every single detail. Yeah. Whereas we finish the series and then we're straight on to the next one. Exactly. It doesn't have very much weight, which does make it more impressive when something like a flea bag sticks out. Yes. As like, wow, this is quality. It didn't. You, it didn't even need to be good for something to be quality. You know, thirty years ago. That's true. That's true. Okay, so we've talked a lot about uh, work and the industry side of things. Mm. What um, What does Cayenne do outside of work to uh, to find a sense of fulfillment and joy? Well, this is the question. I do get too perhaps too much of my fulfillment and self esteem from my work. That when I'm not working, I'm like, oh. What the hell does what the hell does a man do with himself? I I I play instruments. 
I uh, I've got a piano in his bedroom. Yeah, play it, tinkle on the piano. I've, I've been learning guitar recently. That's that was a new thing when I when I got back. I, I bought an acoustic guitar. I've been learning that. How have you been learning? Sort of just. I I have a friend who's been giving me lessons like every every two weeks or whatever. Just help help me to kind of like learn a new song or whatever. And then you just sort of practice that on your own again and again and again. And it takes a long time, but. I think these are the things like I do like spending my time learning skills. I like that kind of constant sense of um, reward of development. I think I think there are so everything I, I do, I almost want it to be part of a kind of self-development. Uh, We're quite similar in that respect. We yeah. all, we're always swapping sort of tips and life hacks. Yeah. Even even when I'm playing video games, even when I'm playing Halo, that's part of I feel like I'm developing a skill because I've gotten better at the game than I was few years ago yeah you know i'm playing at a higher level competitively online or, or whatever yeah so it's yeah i this is the thing with me I, t- I turn everything even when i'm reading a book it's like i feel myself getting smarter right now this is great <laughs> i'm learning i'm really learning mum. um i do find it hard to switch off and just enjoy something for its own sake i mean when i'm playing the guitar when i'm playing music that is very enjoyable in itself but it, I think the underlying motivation is I'm getting better at something and that's exciting. Okay. Yeah. There's progress there. Yeah. And do you uh, meditate? I do sort of. I'm not very kind of like strict with it. I'm starting to realize I, I do need it. Um, I don't sit in a in the, the position. I'm not sure. Do you know why you're supposed to sit in, sit up and... I think practically... More than anything, so you don't fall asleep. Okay, if you lie down, because I do quite often do it as a way of napping, like as a pre-nap. And then if I if I nap, that feels like a great meditation. Yeah, like I yeah. I wake up feeling pretty good. Yeah. Also, also I find it quite useful for helping me get sleep at night. You know, just to kind of calm your thoughts or whatever. So I haven't got it as a routine, but I think when I notice my thoughts like racing away. Or my if my attentions become too diffuse, then it's a good way of sort of returning me to my myself. So it's something I should do. I should do more of. But uh, if, is it like a solid part of your routine? Yes. Yeah. And um, I can imagine some eye rolls going on as soon as um, people hear me say the word meditation because it's something that I do tend to bring up. Yeah. Quite a lot because it's yeah it's, it's had a very positive impact on on me personally. And um, how long do you do it for? I, at the moment, I'm doing it for 45 minutes every morning. Wow, that's a quite a serious <clears throat> sesh. It's a serious session. I break it up Did into you... two different two different types of meditation. Okay, back to but back to back. Back to back, baby. Yeah. And then I do. I finish off with a visualization. I start doing. But this is this is a new routine that I started um, uh, towards the end of last year, mm. and and I'm trying to keep up. But I'm getting up earlier in the morning, which allows me to do it. So, do you think? Do different types of meditation have different benefits or are they just, I don't know, do they just keep it more interesting? By Well, I'm only experimenting now with um, a different type of meditation. For the last five years, I've been doing two types of meditation, which were Buddhist practices. Mm. And then I've read this book recently on opening the chakras, mm-hmm. which is something I'd heard about, but I'd never really I didn't understand from a conceptual perspective. Mm. And then when I read this book, I said, okay, that's interesting. I'm going to try that. Mm. And 
it's definitely had a positive impact. Well, I can see you, your chakras are wide open right now looking at you. You can see, you can see yeah. that look in my eyes. Is, is that the look of the chakra or lust? Yeah, as soon as I saw it, it was like, it was one of the two. I mean, he's got a boner, but it might be the chakras. Exactly, yeah. So just that alone is worth doing it for. Mm. I feel very, very robust. But in all seriousness, what does open chakras feel like or closed <laughs> chakras? <laughs> okay, I will tell you, I have one experience at the moment. Mm. So you have the chakras are in different parts of the body, starting mm. from the You're groin starting, area. He's pointing at his groin. Pointing at the boner. Yeah. yeah. Going all the way up to the top of the head. Okay. When some some school of thought say there's just that there's sort of six inches above the head, which is the car, which is this the Egyptians call sort of like this this life energy, which mm. is always with you. So I started focusing on all these different areas as described in this book and you're essentially sending energy to those different areas and a feeling of like gratitude for them. And um, okay. and then what I have now is this really, it sounds bizarre, but a permanent, I can feel permanently this energy on the top of my head mm. so, and since focusing on that specific chakra right towards mm. the end. And um, and uh, it's, it's, a, it's a sense of bliss. Oh really? Well, yeah, which can come uh, my beck and call. And was like, that's give me good. bliss, baby. That's pretty good. You got a bliss button. I got a bliss button on top of my head. So that alone, <laughs> I don't know how that transforms you to become a better person, but it feels great. Wow. Does that take a lot of work to get to that? Do you think? I don't know. I think it probably depends individual to individual. I have been meditating for a long time, mm. so I don't know if that is a knock-on effect, and I'm able to access. I don't know energy, but then. I don't, who knows? So, you know, apparently the Buddha just sat under a tree and then he became enlightened, didn't he? So, yeah. <laughs> horses for courses, mate. Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know. But I've you know, referred a couple of times to the difference. You know, I'm high energy and you're perhaps low energy. Right. And so, someone like me, I need to meditate. Yeah. To calm you down. To calm me down. Yeah. Whereas you are, as I said, but quite Zen like. So, perhaps there isn't the same. That same need to to do it on on such a regular basis. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like um, I feel like yeah. I mean, I have a kind of a low energy uh, demeanor, but yeah, very easily my thoughts can run, you know, run away with themselves. And uh, so I think I I do I do like feeling I like feeling calm, mate. I think it's bloody brilliant. <laughs> Uh, so I'm always trying to get get back to that tranquility. I don't like that feeling of losing myself. Sometimes, sometimes even in a, in a good way, this you know, if you if you felt delirious with joy, that is still a form of delirium in a way. Is that is that super high, isn't it? Yeah, you are still sometimes, you know, you are at, at odds with reality. Yeah. Um, and so I think if you if you allow yourself to do that, you're also allowing yourself to be delirious the, the other way with anxiety or paranoia or depression you, or whatever it is. And do you have any uh, any specific triggers that can lead you down that road of anxiety or, or any of those kind of, well, I don't know, it would be quite as negative mental states, I guess. I don't know. I mean, um, lots of things, nearly everything. Um, coffee is one of those things mm. that I bloody depend on, but also sends me... It's one of the, you know, essentially, you know, it fires up your thoughts... So if you have a negative thought, then you've essentially just supercharged that thought about yourself or whatever it is. Yeah. So I have to be careful there about, you know, all, all these different things. I do. I think one thing I've noticed in, pre, in the past few years is just like the physiological effect of things like sunlight and uh, 
and food on my mood, you know, I started kind of, yeah, I sort of do intermittent fasting. So I'm, you know, I've got like a 16 hour window where I'm not eating. How often do you do it? Uh, every day. You do it every day now? Yeah. Well, I think that's kind of, it feels the most natural. It doesn't even feel like I'm fasting. Okay, because you're used to it now, aren't you? Well, if I, I feel like if I have breakfast, I feel like my stomach's not ready for it. And, okay. uh, and then I just feel really low energy and then sometimes depressed and anxious. If you've eaten yeah. breakfast. Okay. Yeah. And it, it's, it's really as simple as that. And it took me absolutely years to figure out, but that was one of the, the main triggers for like, a low mood really yeah it was just like having breakfast and i had no idea how sensitive i was to just like eating at certain times of the day that's so interesting i know it's it's, it's so stupid how basic it is but you it's great that you you're doing the work where you're almost like prodding and experimenting pretty much like what we we're talking about how your approach to writing and creating yeah it's like these little hacks and yeah figuring as, out what works for you. yeah because all these things are about trying to improve my mood and if i'm in a better mood then i'm going to be writing better as well yeah um yeah so you also started to uh work out i mean yeah. um you're almost sort of bulging from the seams at the moment yeah just look at me yeah just look at me podcasters uh, or just imagine me basically imagine jason statham and, and the rock combined yeah and we've got Kyan. If Jason Statham was on the rock shoulders, then you've got something. Yeah. So you're kind of moving away from comedy to sort of more towards sort of action films. Action superheroes. Yeah, action yeah. superheroes, Marvels, franchises. Are you uh, are you into sort of like the protein intake and all that kind of thing? And if so, is that a challenge then when you're doing the, the intermittent fasting and having this need to take in a certain amount of calories? Or do you, are you not? Are you avoiding that whole game? It is a bit. Because I, I, yeah, I suppose I kind of fell into sort of taking my care of myself physically sort of accidentally uh, you know I just started I, I, re I realized that exercise was important for mood a few years ago and I started running regularly but I never really liked running and then when I started going to the gym I was enjoying that more and then if you're going quite frequently you do you kind of feel like I do want to see a bit more bang for my buck so it's like okay I'm going to try and increase my protein I'm going to try and you know, reduce the amount of crap I'm eating or, or whatever. But now I am actually trying to do a bulk at the moment. And it's like, I find it very hard to get in more meals or more food because I am so sensitive to food. And after every meal, I know I'm not really going to feel, have good concentration for about two or three hours. But then if you're bulking, it's like, oh, you want to have a meal every four hours or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, may maybe there's a, there's a limit to my to my goals there because ultimately the writing is what's more important um so they are kind of at odds with each other but i'm, try I'm trying to find a way to marry marry it up yeah because i did the same thing last year I, I went through a period of trying to put in a bit of muscle mass having gone vegan and then i did this triathlon last year so i dropped a lot of mm. muscle mass i guess not that there was loads there before mm. and uh i found it I did it years ago, this idea of like, oh, I've got it up to five meals a day. And I found it quite unnatural and I'm sort of force feeding myself. Yeah, yeah. And I don't... It feels a bit horrible. Yeah, it's, I'm not enjoying this. And I don't know actually how healthy it is because you're putting pressure on your digestive system. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how it's, affecting me, how it's affecting me there. We'll see, we'll see. I, maybe, maybe my body will adapt. But yeah, may, maybe I'm just not supposed to be above like a, a certain weight or whatever. Yeah, maybe there's a, a perfect weight for every individual. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. I this has been a lovely conversation. Oh well, is are we are we wrapping up here? 
Yeah, I think we can. We covered a lot of ground. We have. Is there, is there anything else you feel we should talk about? Is there anything that I've missed? I don't think so. I think no. you've seen the whole me. I've seen the whole me. We've exposed the real Kyan. Mm. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question that I ask all the guests that come on to this podcast. Why are you my friend? Basically, yes. Well, that's in the written questionnaire yeah. after. Will you tweet this? <laughs> come on, do an Instagram story. Mm. What does the idea of balance mean to you or not it doesn't now it's just being facetious thing i know you are. um what does balance mean to me i should have prepared an answer for this no no not at all, not at all. you don't have to you don't have to uh, I, up, really. I suppose it's kind of like figuring out your lifestyle in a way that keeps you happy and productive i suppose for me but uh maybe ways i'm trying to be more balanced is to have goals to have a direction but to not be in a rush to get there, to not feel like by the time I'm 35 or whatever, I need to have a house and, and a wife and, uh, you know, a TV show or whatever it is. I think uh, as long as you're each day making small steps towards your goal, then that's all you can, you know, really ask for. And as long as you're enjoy enjoying the process, I think if, you, if you've got goals, but you don't actually enjoy the process of getting there, then maybe they're the wrong goals. That's a great piece of advice. And uh, just to let you know, he did have that pre-written and he's just been reading yeah, it. Yeah, I read out the whole of this interview, actually. Yeah, it, it came across very natural. Oh, thank you. Very well, I do a lot of audiobooks, so... Yeah, no, it's, it's, you, can, you can tell. Um, social media, you're, you're not on it that much these days. Not so much. Not so yeah, much. You, you won't find much on there, but it's just my name, at Kyan, K-H-Y-A-N, um, Twitter, Kyan underscore Mansley. I think it's underscore Mansley on Instagram. Yeah. I suppose, I think that's everyone. Oh, YouTube, YouTube. YouTube. I mean, I've not put up anything there for years. But uh, yeah, if you want to see my work, it's uh, forward slash Kyan after cool. YouTube. Okay. Fantastic. Well, I'm pleased I made the trip to... Oh, thank you for coming down. It's very kind of you to come all this way just to talk to lonely old me. Well, I feel with our friendship, if I didn't make any effort, then we just wouldn't we wouldn't have a friendship. No, we wouldn't. I, you know, I feel this is the problem about being a monk. It's very hard to hold on to to friends. Was was the thing about being a monk? You don't have hold attachment to anything. No, no. That is the beauty of it. Really, yeah, isn't yeah. It? So essentially, you're enlightened. Yeah, <laughs> basically that. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Perfect. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. This is the first podcast that is going out. During lockdown, we are locked down, bruv. We are in the building. Occasionally out, occasionally out the building. If you've got a garden, you're probably going to be out there quite a lot. But for the most part, we're in the building. We're in the building. And now it's a question of how do you use that time while you are in the building? I'm sure it's very stressful times for a lot of people. And I said this in the last podcast, but yeah, you just got to, you just got to make the most of it, really, haven't you? It's out of our control. There's nothing you can do about it. So just got to run with it and use the time as productively as possible. I'm trying not to get too sucked into watching box set after box set, you know, TV show after TV show, because that's just, yeah, before I know, hours have just gone down the drain. So I'm reading. I'm reading a really good book at the moment uh, called Making Movies by Sidney Lumet a legendary director. It's a brilliant book which breaks down every aspect of directing. Highly recommend reading that if you haven't done already and you are interested in 
directing and then talking about not watching boxes i am obviously watching a few things i'm watching cobra enthusiasm very much enjoying that i've just started watching season three of this country and i need to get on to season two of succession see i'm I'm quite far behind on on some shows and i'm also three episodes into home sitcom on channel four really enjoying that and i am watching gamora and I'm three seasons into that, and I'm loving that. So I am watching stuff, but I'm just trying to watch. If I watch something, it's usually one episode at a time rather than going back to back. And I'm trying not to watch too much before I go to bed so that I'm not, you know what I mean, like wired from the blue screen. Try to get a bit of reading in. A little bit of the old meditation, mate. Do you know what I mean? Having a proper spiritual knees up. Governor. Yes, so um, I hope you're all doing okay. And being kind to each other and to yourselves. Very important to be kind to ourselves in these times. And I'm cooking a lot, doing a lot of the a lot of cooking. I mean, I've been wanting for ages to expand my recipes. I've been having the same cooking the same food since university. That was a very long time ago. So I thought it was time to push the boat a little bit. That's nice. Uh, trying to cook new recipes and uh, trying to keep to a, a very a strict-ish structure to my day my routine which i've mentioned about before getting up early in the morning and i'm not watching any any anything any tv during the day that's a big no-no i've got to stick monday to friday getting work done and then in the evening i can chill so yeah everyone's got their own way of doing it haven't they we are in unprecedented times but one thing's for sure is that you know people want to be entertained so go out and entertain them or stay in and entertain them that's what i meant to say safety first all right thank you as always for listening and uh, if you like this conversation please do rate and review it and if you haven't done already do subscribe thanks very much balancing acts is now made in association with the comedy crowd who are a website and community that support independent comedy creators such as myself i have a comedy crowd short which is a, a two minute video one of my characters on their website they showcase the best new videos on comedy crowd tv which is comedycrowdtv.com and across media platforms so do go and check them out hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget check out quince they've got all the good stuff shirts and polos activewear and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.